This episode of 1120 Collar is brought to you by the Smithsonian and weirdos like you. It's 11-Point Collar, hosted by J.D. Frog Scout Hansel. Hey everyone, I'm J.D. Hansel, and this is the 52nd episode of 11-Point Collar. It's amazing that we've made it this far. If you've missed the last few episodes of the show, check them out. Last week's show was the shocking conclusion to our series on the Beyond the Sock workshop, and it featured an interview with Muppeteer Peter Linz. If you start with episode 49 and work your way through episode 51, you will know all about that workshop and how fun it is. However, suppose you don't have money for the Beyond the Sock workshop, but you still want to attend a fun Muppety event. Well, there's a neat way to do that. The other day, I saw a screening of I Am Big Bird, The Carol Spinney Story, which is a new documentary about Carol Spinney, the puppeteer of Big Bird and Oscar the Grouch. The ticket was just 14 bucks, the documentary was great, there was a Q&A with Carol and his wife and the filmmakers and Oscar the Grouch, and we got to get pictures with Carol and Oscar and everyone was happy. So, that's what I'm going to talk about in this show. But first, we've got some housekeeping and then trivia time. To listen to previous episodes and new episodes of 11 Point Collar, visit MuppetHub.com, which also has all sorts of Muppety things from articles to clip art to videos to news to history, etc. If you go to MuppetHub.com, you'll see a little tab called About and Contact Info, which will have a form for you to fill out if you want to contact me or say hi, please do so, I get lonely. You can also reach me by emailing me at jd11pc at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at jd11pc and find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash jd11pc. We may or may not be getting an Instagram soon as well. Maybe. If you leave a comment on this post or on any post on the website, Thank you, but I might not notice it for a while. My apologies to Pugginhead, who commented in April, but I just now noticed it and approved the comment today. It's really hard to see the good comments when 95% of the comments you get are spam. Seriously, the spammers never leave me alone. Uh, hey, hey, will you get out of here? Hey, knock it off. Get out of here. All right, all right, it's, it's trivia time. Well, since the screening of I Am Big Bird that I went to was at the Smithsonian American Art Museum, I got to thinking about the Sesame Street TV special in which Big Bird gets locked into an art museum overnight. That's right, I'm talking about 1983's Don't Eat the Pictures. The trivia question is, which art museum did the Sesame cast visit in the special? Was it A. The Louvre, B. The Metropolitan Museum of Art, C. The Museum of Modern Art, D. The Smithsonian American Art Museum, or E, the Center for Puppetry Arts. The correct answer is B, the Metropolitan Museum of Art, but if a special about the Sesame cast going to the Center for Puppetry Arts could ever be possible in any way, please make that happen. And now I need a transition to talking about Carol Spinney, so how about a song? Not that song! Okay, let's play one that Carol performed in Don't Eat the Pictures. Heaven! Why, it's trash. The most beautiful trash I've ever seen. Broken umbrellas are treasure. Busted up autos are bliss. Tin cans on the street make my heart skip a beat. But I've never seen junk half as lovely as this. Broken and beautiful, fractured and rare. 
missing pieces that used to be there. Blessed and heavenly trash from afar. To me you look complete. Hey, who needs hands and feet when you're beautiful? Beautiful, just as you are. Oh, look at that nose. <laughs> I wonder what the other guy looked like. And we're back with my summary and review of I Am Big Bird, which I'm basically going to do in three parts. First I'll talk about the experience as a whole, then I'll talk about what you'll see or learn when you watch the documentary, and then I'll do a brief review. Let's jump right into what happened before and after the screening. Really the first thing that happened that led up to me going to the screening was finding out about this thing on Kickstarter. A few years ago when I first heard about I Am Big Bird it was just a concept. They didn't know if they were going to be able to do it or not, but they really wanted to. So they started a campaign on Kickstarter, started raising a lot of money, I contributed money to that. And it all worked out, and they made a pretty good documentary, a pretty great one, really. I know that because I was following the project and I supported it on Kickstarter, I was getting updates via email from Copper Pop Pictures, which is the production company that made this documentary. Because I got these updates, I got a little email that told me when and where the screenings would be. I was also checking that online, and I found that there happened to be one that was not too far away. I don't live all that far away from the Washington, D.C. area. It's only about an hour and a half, depending on how you go there. Really, as soon as I found out that I was going to be free on the day of the screening, and as soon as tickets were available, I made sure that I got some. So, on the day of the screening, I got up early and I left for the metro into DC. It was nice, it was quick, it was easy. Very simple, actually, if you take the metro, getting to that part of DC. We were going to the, as I mentioned before, Smithsonian American Art Museum, and the museum was really nice. One of the perks of seeing it there is that before the film, you've got time to explore this museum that has a lot of really neat artwork. And that was nice, but then I had to get in line, and the way they had it set up, because this was all a part of the American Film Institute's 
documentary festival that they were doing called AFI Docs. They had a line that was for people who had passes to go see all of the documentaries that they were screening, and then there was a line for the people who got tickets specifically to just this one. And so I was one of the people who just got tickets for this documentary, and then they took us all down into the theater. And as we were going down, we could see Carol was doing some photos with some other people, and then we all walked into the theater, and Carol Spinney and his wife and the filmmakers walked into the theater, and they were just sitting uh, sort of amongst the crowd. I guess they had reserved seats that were nice, but they were just there with us and not being mobbed by people, and that was rather surprising. It was especially surprising that the theater was not packed. There were not actually all that many people there, which really shocked me. You'd think that with an opportunity like this, everyone would be there, so guys, Go! Seriously, don't leave any empty seats. It's really cool. The filmmakers, I believe the executive producer and one of the directors were able to make it this time. One of the directors, if memory serves, could not. But they introduced the documentary, those that were there, and after a couple of previews, it started. It was great. I'm going to talk more about it very soon. But after the documentary, there was a Q&A. And again, I was surprised because... I thought that the people that were there were going to be jumping up to those mics and they would want to be asking all kinds of questions. I thought that all these Super Muppet fans would just jump up there with their obscure little questions, but no, not really. It was a surprisingly small number of people that went up to the microphone to ask questions, even after Carol surprised us and brought out Oscar. He had that uh, black bag with him, so I kind of sensed that it was coming, but when he pulled out Oscar, boy did he get a big reaction, because everyone loves Oscar. And hearing Oscar talk to a big crowd of people is always fun. Uh, he's so funny. And so I got the opportunity to ask a question because hardly anyone was at the mic, so I just walked up to it. And I asked how many copies of each puppet they still have around. I asked about, you know, how many Big Birds are there, how many Oscars are there, are there any Bruno the Trash Man puppets, if that's still around. And he talked a bit about how they did not have copies of most of the puppets. They didn't have a copy of Oscar. No spare at all. But then there was a time, I can't remember when, sorry, um, when a bunch of the Sesame Street Muppets were stolen and sort of held for ransom. And because of that, when they got the puppets back and the people who stole them were arrested, they decided that they needed to make sure that they had doubles of the puppets so that if something was to happen to one of the puppets they would have another one around and so right now they've got three Oscars and when they made those copies of the Oscar puppets by the way according to Carol they found the original one that Don Saline had worked on or Don Salon depending on how you pronounce it and they mimicked that just about exactly but they had to make sure that the puppet was not symmetrical and they had to sort of break his jaw to make it go off to the side so he's got a crooked smile. And that's the way that Oscar's smile has been ever since, all crooked and lopsided. I don't think he mentioned how many Big Bird puppets they have that they use right now, but he did talk about Bruno the Trash Man. If you don't remember Bruno the Trash Man, that was a walk-around puppet that Carol would get inside, and it had these fake arms that were not actually being operated by Carol, that were just permanently holding this trash can and Carol would be able to put his hands up into the trash can and perform Oscar while walking around as Bruno. Which is why Bruno didn't talk much, because Carol did not have any spare hands to move Bruno's mouth. So, there was a time when Carol asked why Bruno isn't in anything anymore, could Bruno be worked into something? 
what he was told is that the Bruno puppet was gone. And what that really meant was the Bruno puppet had disintegrated. It's turned into powder. Because with that type of foam, over time, it just turns to dust. And so there is no Bruno puppet right now. And apparently the cost of rebuilding it would be a couple thousand dollars. So they're not going to do that. Uh, sadly, we have to say goodbye to Bruno. It's a shame. But no one remembers him anyway. After the Q&A, we went out behind the main theater area where they had a lovely little place set up with these fancy lights and cameras and things. And they had a little backdrop that AFI had provided. And Carol and Oscar stood in front of the backdrop and everyone lined up. Well, really, everyone got into a crowd or a mob and everyone competed to be the next person to get a photo with Carol's Benny and Oscar the Grouch. And it was pretty cool seeing that these people really did care and really did want these pictures with Oscar. And I think that the pictures, at least my pictures with Oscar, turned out nice and with Carol. And that was neat. And Carol was not rushing us at all. He definitely gave us a bit of time to talk to him, or in my case, talk to Oscar. I actually asked Oscar, doesn't it drive you crazy that as grouchy as you are, you make everyone around you so happy? And he said, yeah, that does bother me a little bit. But then he explained that making other people happy makes him miserable, but being miserable makes him happy, but being happy makes him miserable, but being miserable makes him happy. Oscar's a rather complicated guy, I must say. And so everyone that wanted photos with Carol and Oscar were able to get them because Carol was such a nice guy that he stuck around for all that to make sure he got everybody. And the same with signing things too. Those of us who had copies of his books and stuff like that for him to sign, he signed them and did not just scribble a signature real quick. Oh no, he drew a cartoon of Big Bird and signed as Big Bird and as himself and put the date on there and mentioned the name of the person that he was signing it for. So Carol was really nice and I also made sure that I got a picture with his wife as well because she was she was very nice as well and in the documentary you learn a good bit about his current wife and they've been together for a long time and it's really cool they're really cool people. Alright, so now's the time when I'm going to tell you what kinds of things you can expect to see in the film, what the film is like, kind of give you an idea of the flow of it and what kind of stories you're going to hear and all that. I'll be explaining a lot about the style and the way that this story is told when I review it later, but for now, let me start off by giving you the official description of the film from the Muppet Wiki. I Am Big Bird is a feature-length documentary about Carol Spinney, who has been Sesame Street's Big Bird and Oscar the Grouch since 1969, and at 80 years old, he has no intention of stopping. Think you know everything there is to know about Sesame Street? You don't. You might know that Frank Oz turned down an offer to play Big Bird, but you probably don't know that until a last-minute change of heart by NASA, Big Bird was supposed to go to space aboard the Challenger. Or you may know that Oscar the Grouch got his voice from a cantankerous cabbie, but you'd be surprised to learn that a fire in his trash can almost led to Carol's untimely demise. Carol's stories are the stuff of legend. He has been a constant presence in our lives for over 40 years, his path weaving through American history like that of Forrest Gump. His time inside the bird has taught him about the world and about himself. 
I Am Big Bird will peel away the instances in his life that inspired his creation of characters that have influenced generations of children. And as the yellow feathers give way to gray hair, it is the man, not the Muppet, who will steal your heart. Well, that's cute. But really, as the description would have you believe, this documentary is about stories. It is filled with story after story after story about Carol Spinney and his work. Believe it or not, not every story that was mentioned in that description is actually discussed or delved into in the documentary. It's pretty clear that they had to make a lot of cuts to get this down to size, and also because they had to structure the stories carefully so that it was logical. While the first few minutes of the documentary are pretty much exactly what you see in the trailer for the documentary, after that we very quickly get into the overall story of Carol's life. One would think that since this is real life that's being depicted, it would be very difficult to make this kind of a story fit into the regular, standard Hollywood movie formula in which somewhere around the 10 minute mark, maybe 15 minute mark, maybe 25 minute mark, there is a turning point in the main character's life that changes his life forever. And yet, surprisingly, they managed to make that happen with this documentary, as very quickly you see, this big turning point in Carol Spinney's life when he decides that he wants to be a puppeteer. That's his dream job. And everything else that happens in the story is connected to that and related to that. You could also argue that the main turning point in Carol's life was when he decided that he was going to work for the Muppets. And I think that that might be more accurate in a way, except that his relationship with his father I don't want to give too much away, but what happened with his father is they did not get along very well when Carol was young, and eventually they were able to get along much better, but for a while it was ugly, and a lot of that had to do with the fact that Carol was not really choosing a career that was something that his father thought he could actually make money from, or at least that's the impression that I got from the documentary. There was a lot of other stuff too. So, if you haven't guessed it by now, this documentary is mostly chronological. In fact, I think it might stick to chronological order even more so than being Elmo. And I don't want to compare this documentary to that documentary too much because they're clearly two separate things, but at the same time, because they're two documentaries about Sesame Street puppeteers that came out around the same time and are both behind-the-scenes kind of documentaries that are exploring the man and what he's really like and all that. They're very similar, they sorta kinda go together in a way, but I Am Big Bird is mostly chronological, it handles everything in a pretty good, logical, structured way, and it's pretty clear that just about everything is related. Obviously, you're going to hear about Jim Henson's death at some point in the documentary, but they make sure that they build up to that and they keep on mentioning Jim Henson in a logical way so that you can see their relationship grow before Jim dies so that when you see the footage from the memorial service, that has more of an impact. Even if you've already read Carol Spinney's book, it's really amazing how many stories, some old, some recent, you will hear in this documentary and see in this documentary that you may not be too familiar with. You are obviously going to be familiar with the Mitt Romney versus Big Bird thing, which got a huge laugh when we watched that in the documentary, but the story about the woman who died on Carol Spinney's property, that's a story that I had not heard before, and I think it's one of the more interesting new stories I've learned about a Muppeteer and how he was involved in that. 
one thing that the movie does spend a good bit of time on is Big Bird in China, because there are so many different stories that are related to that, and you can start with Bob Hope and the impression that Big Bird left on Bob Hope, and they didn't really explain in the documentary too well what it was that led up to Bob inviting Big Bird to China, but once you get to the special Big Bird in China, then that opens up all these opportunities for them to talk about John Stone, and they do talk a lot about Carol's relationship with John Stone, and I think that's good, that's an important point. And also their relationship with the little girl in Big Bird in China, whose name I cannot remember, I'm sorry, but I knew that they had not seen each other since that special, and the story about how they parted ways before there was really a chance for them to say goodbye is actually really tragic. And one thing I can say is that this documentary may make you cry. It did not make me cry. Thankfully, I knew most of the sadder, more heartbreaking stories in advance, so I was totally fine. But some other people, I think they were really moved by it. And there are also times when you will laugh. There are so many funny moments in this documentary. It's great. The storytelling is superb, and I know I'm supposed to say that for the review, but if you want to know what you're going to expect when you go see this, you're going to see great storytelling. So if you are hoping that you're going to see a whole bunch of behind-the-scenes uh, videos and lots of trivia about the other Muppeteers and all that, not too much, but there is some behind-the-scenes video that's really good that you're going to enjoy. It's worth mentioning that, thankfully, Carol and his wife have kind of been recording every significant thing they've ever done in their lives together since they met, and because of that, the makers of this documentary had access to all of this great footage, and some of that is behind the scenes. In fact, some of it's behind the scenes from A Muppet Family Christmas, and on the DVD, I really hope that they will just have tons and tons of video footage there from behind the scenes from Muppet Family Christmas, because I didn't know there was any behind the scenes footage from that special, and actually seeing some of it is really, really cool. I would go see this movie if it was just that, but that footage was in there for a purpose. It was all to benefit the story, and everything is very story-focused, and I like that, because it makes everything more cohesive. Nothing about this just seems like it's randomly thrown in there. It all makes sense, and it all helps you get to know Carol Spinney and his wife so much better. Really, what this is going to do, what this documentary will almost definitely do, is make you think that Carol and his wife are some of the coolest people ever. And I really think that they are. And also, it's worth mentioning the interviews. They interviewed a whole lot of people, there's a Jane Henson interview in there. It was only audio, you don't actually see her face in this, but you still hear Jane Henson talking about Carol, and you do get to see and hear Jerry Nelson talking about Carol, and that's really cool too. And they also got puppet wranglers and people who knew Carol back when he was doing local TV, and a whole bunch of neat people were brought in to do interviews and even some of Carol's kids. I forgot that Carol had kids, but hearing the way that they talk about him is really, really cool and shows you what kind of a guy Carol is. So, essentially, those are the things that you can expect when you go to see I Am Big Bird. In case you can't tell, I like that sound effect. 
So what I'm going to do for this review is I'm doing this totally ad lib. Pardon me for all the ums and the ahs, but I really wanted to do this without any script, without anything really written down except for a basic guideline of where I'm going, just so I can get my thoughts out in a more natural way. And I've broken up the different elements of the film into writing, historical accuracy, emotional appeal, music, flow and timing, cinematography, directing and editing, other stylistic choices. Those are the basic categories that I think will sort of help me structure this review a bit better. I should probably mention, though, before I begin, that the cover of The Rainbow Connection that you just heard being played on the piano was done by a guy named John Burke, who very kindly let me use that instrumental piece that he did. You can find him on YouTube under the name John Burke. That's John spelled the way that everyone spells John, and Burke spelled B-U-R-K-E. So yeah, look him up. Seems to be a pretty big Muppet fan and a good pianist. So, getting to the review. As far as the writing goes, it's pretty difficult to tell with a documentary like this what exactly the writer did. But I imagine that the writers were focused on getting the structure right and finding a way to incorporate everything that everyone said in the interviews into a logical train of thought, if that makes sense, but really just a logical track, a logical path, so that everything's moving in the same direction and the story flows and makes sense and builds. And I think that that was done really well. Clearly, the writing worked very well and got you totally interested in the story, even though there was no narrator. That's one of the things that really surprised me about this film, and I don't think I noticed it until I was halfway in. No one was narrating. Unlike with Being Elmo, in which they were able to use Whoopi Goldberg as a tool to keep everyone focused and keep us moving quickly, this film did not need that. We were able to move right along and know exactly where we were going just from what people said and the way that it was edited. And I know I'm going to talk about directing and editing later. I've kind of lumped directing and editing together because it's so hard to tell what the director did. And I know there were a couple of directors on this who I think also did some of the writing. I think that's normally how it works with documentaries. But the writing impressed me because I enjoyed that structure. I felt like everything moved along I keep using the word logically, but everything just made sense. The whole thing seemed cohesive, and the timing was just right, and I know timing is another thing I said I was going to talk about later, but I'm going to move on to historical accuracy now, because I don't know what else to say about the writing. I thought it was good. I thought it was very impressive and well done. With historical accuracy, I can tell that, for the most part, this is historically accurate, because Carol Spinney himself was so involved in making it. However, because of how many stories got cut out, there are a couple of times when it's a little bit misleading, I think, just a tiny, tiny bit. For example, it would seem like Carol met Jim Henson at one puppetry festival, and right after that, Carol joined him and went to work for the Muppets. That's not actually how it happened. If you look it up, there were a couple of different puppetry festivals, and if you read Carol's book, The Wisdom of Big Bird, you can learn more about that, but... The first time that Jim offered Carol a job for the Muppets, Carol didn't even understand that Jim was offering him a job. He didn't, he couldn't tell. And it was only the second time that Jim offered him a job that he asked, what do you mean by that? And Jim said more clearly, would you like to come work for the Muppets? And yet, 
I know that this documentary was trying to hurry along a little bit because even though that is a key turning point in Carol's life, there was a whole lot more that they needed to get to. And rather than trying to explain how this whole complicated situation with the two puppetry festivals worked out, they just kind of skipped from one puppetry festival to the second one where most of the good stuff happened. So aside from that, though, clearly it's historically accurate. And I don't really think that what I just mentioned counts as it being not accurate. It's just it, it could be a tiny bit misleading, but not really. It's not a big deal. And for most of the little problems I have with the movie, they are nitpicky. Nothing is really bad about this movie. I want to make that clear. Just about every element of this is good and impressive and cool and fun to watch and interesting and entertaining. When you get into the emotional appeal, that's what I have next in my little list of things to talk about, I think that was done well. Because, yes, there are times when you can tell that it's supposed to be emotional and it's supposed to be sad, but it doesn't feel forced. It does not feel like they're yelling at you, cry, darn you, just cry, break down and cry, because it's so sad. I don't think that they were doing that at all. Everything was very natural because, as I've said before, everything is so story-focused in this that any time that something sad happens, they're not trying to make you feel bad, per se, but they're trying to explain what happened in Carol's life that shaped him and got him to where he is now. And when they're dealing with all the significant events in Carol's life, yeah, there's some sad stuff in there, but it's handled well. It doesn't feel like Full House or a Disney Channel drama or anything like that. I don't even think it's as in your face as in the first few minutes of Up, you know, the Disney Pixar movie. There, I kind of got the impression that they were really, really just trying to make me cry even though I could tell it all had to do with the uh, character development and building up to the story, still it seemed in that movie they were trying too hard. In this, it just feels natural. And I don't know how I got to comparing this movie to a Disney Pixar movie, but you can definitely tell that this is not all about emotion. This is totally focused on making sure that you get to know this guy and learn everything about this guy that you can. But I think a part of that is empathizing with him. And you totally do. You totally empathize with Carol Spinney in this. And so I think that the emotional appeal was handled well. And there are some laughs in there. It's really great when a documentary can make you laugh without really going out of its way to do so. That's why I always try never to go out of my way just for a laugh. I don't just throw things in randomly for no reason. Oh, stop it. Just stop. Now, with the music... There's really not that much I can say about the music, because you pretty much know what kind of a score you're going to get going into this. You're getting a modern documentary score. Let's face it, they all sound about the same. This They could have reused the score from Being Elmo, honestly. Could have used the same score, because that's, that's kind of what you always get nowadays, I think, with documentaries. A lot of piano, and it's generally very acoustic, and kind of slow, generally not much percussion. But I don't think it's bad, it's just I don't think there were any tracks on there that really stood out. I, I was listening to the music a little bit, and it worked. That was the most important thing about it, and that's why this style of music keeps getting used for documentaries, because it works. And the music totally worked in this. It was totally functional, it served its purpose. And so, at no point was I going, gosh, I hate this music. 
However, I think there were a couple of times when I wish I could have heard a little bit more of Carol singing and a little bit more of some of the songs that he's best known for. And I think that would have been good for educational reasons, partly because some people can't even remember those songs nowadays because a lot of his best known songs haven't been heard on Sesame Street in a very long time, but also because that would be a good segue into how Carol did not like to do dancing scenes and if they wanted to talk more about Jim's relationship with Carol, and I know they did spend a good bit of time on that, but if they wanted to talk about that a little bit more, then they easily could have gone into how they kind of argued for a little bit about whether or not Carol should be dancing, because Carol was just not great at that, he was not super comfortable with that, and so I think that would have been a good excuse to incorporate a little bit more of the music that Big Bird and Oscar are known for, but you know what? That's not a big deal. Again, this is nitpicky. The music worked. The, the music totally worked. That's the important thing. And it definitely enhanced uh, the film a lot. Now, with flow and timing, I think that this is where the movie... I don't know that I would say that it hurt itself, but there was one good part of the movie that was fighting another good part of the movie. One good part of the movie was it was keeping everything short and sweet and concise and moving along quickly so that you didn't get bored and didn't spend any more time on a subject than it needed to. And I like that. That's good. It's not slow. This documentary won't bore you. But on the other hand, another good thing about this documentary is how many great stories are in there. And as I mentioned before, some of the stories that they tell you about just in briefly in the official description of this film don't make it into the film because they had so many stories to tell because Carol is such an interesting guy who's had such an interesting life that they had to cut a lot. I mean, they cut a lot. There were quite a few times throughout the documentary when I was going, hey, where's this story? I know I already mentioned the Puppetry Festival story, but there's more. There's definitely a lot more that they could have done, but I know that the filmmakers are really annoyed that they couldn't do more. They really wanted to incorporate all of these stories because they had so many. And I think that it would be cool if on the DVD we got an extended cut in which we get to hear more of all that. But you know what? I think that the people who would care the most about all those extra stories that were missing are the big Muppet fans who already know those stories. And so I think that they hit most of the essential ones and did those well and did them in a reasonable amount of time so that everything sunk in and you got it, you understood it, and you cared about it, but at the same time, it it wasn't rushed and yet it didn't take too long. And so I think the flow and timing of this documentary is really good because it felt like it was just the right length that it needed to be. Yes, there's more that I would have liked to see in there, but I'm amazed that they packed as much as they did in. That's really impressive. With the cinematography, it's hard to talk about cinematography. I almost wonder why I put this in here. But you're getting a lot of simpler shots to what you would see in just about any other documentary nowadays. Though I know that a lot of documentaries now are trying to be really artistic and they'll have all these shots of, you know, just places they'll have a building as their establishing shot but then they take a few seconds to get it in focus just for artistic reasons and this movie definitely does not go out of its way to be artistic and in the cinematography you can tell that they just want you to focus on the person that they want you to focus on or the character or the story it's focused that's one thing that i really really love about this film and 
I'm sure I've said this many times and I'll say it many more times, I love how focused it is. And the way that the shots are done just helps with that. And so with both the cinematography and the music, really, you are getting a documentary that feels like just another documentary from 2014, and that's not bad. It's functional. You'll get it, and you'll focus on what's important, which is the story. And I think because everything is focused, it works. And I like the way it was shot. And as far as the directing and editing goes, I don't have many problems with that. I think that the directing and editing were done really well. And the way that they chose to tell the story by using as much footage from Carol and his wife as they possibly could, and when they couldn't do that, they did cartoons. That was great. They really had these little animated cartoons in which you would see a cartoon of younger Carol going up to Jim. So it was not the same thing as in Being Elmo, in which they kind of tried to reanimate them with pictures that they moved around in a strange way. It wasn't like that at all. They just did cartoons because that worked so well. It did not feel silly. It made sense, and it was cool, and it was fun. It made the movie a lot more fun, so I liked that choice. And they were able to tell the story better that way because it gave life to what they were talking about. And as the person in the interview was describing the situation, the animation would describe that as well. And they didn't go crazy with the animation. It was very, very simple because, again, it was so focused. And I like that. It was not going for an award in animation. But what was really cool is that at the end of the film, during the credits, you actually get to see a bunch of Carol's artwork. And I really like that. Um, rather than showing pictures or videos or outtakes or bloopers or anything during the credits, they just went with little sketches and cartoons of his. And I thought that was really cool. And, again, also interesting to learn about and see the different kinds of things that he's drawn and his artistic style. The one problem that I think I really have with the directing and editing is actually just one little shot towards the beginning. And that is when Carol Spinney's on the game show. So you know that they have been talking about Carol this whole time, but you don't really see what Carol Spinney looks like. You just see these three guys, one of whom is Carol Spinney. You know that because of the nature of the game show. If you've seen the trailer, you know what I'm talking about. And when they get to the point where they have to reveal which one of those men is the real Carol Spinney, you can just barely see the real Carol Spinney start to move and stand up. But if you're not really, really looking for that, you won't notice it. So you won't know which of those three men is actually Carol Spinney because they just cut to the title card right away. So then when you come back, then you're still trying to figure out what Carol Spinney actually looks like and which one of those three was really him. And to me, that seemed a little bit weird. I'm sure that most people in the audience, definitely most Muppet fans, totally would have known which one was him just after hearing him talk for a little bit or seeing him. But there were some people in the audience, I know, that were not too familiar with Big Bird or hadn't watched his work in a long time. Well, I mean, obviously everyone's familiar with Big Bird, but if, if it's an older person, then they didn't grow up with it. And so they're not going to know that voice right away. And because of that, I think that they probably should have waited to actually show Carol's face so you could tell which one was him. But... They decided to cut that out as an artistic choice, and I, I can see why. That was one, one, one case in which this documentary went for the artistic rather than for the educational benefits of the audience, but only once. 
I mean, that's still pretty good. I was still really impressed with the way that this documentary was done. Honestly, I loved it. I think that the way that this documentary was done was pretty brilliant, and it's definitely something that was not just thrown together to make money. It does not feel at all like a television documentary, but rather it feels like a fan project that was just done really, really, really well, and you can tell that the whole thing is about letting you get to know Carol Spinney because he's really awesome, and you can tell that some passionate people that really cared about Carol were behind this. And I think it's the passion that really comes through. If it wasn't for the fact that everyone who was working on this really loved Carol, then I think you would get a documentary that was a little less focused and a little less enjoyable and a little less entertaining. But instead, what you're getting is a documentary that is totally high quality. It's absolutely fantastic, and I think you'll love it. So if you like documentaries that are emotional or that are educational or that have anything to do with the Muppets or puppetry or just just about any kind of film, really, I'm trying to think of one type of movie that, okay, if you're strictly a horror fan, you will probably not like this film. But otherwise, you will, because it doesn't feel like you're watching some boring documentary about something random. It feels like you're watching a movie that could be in the mainstream movie theaters that's just letting you get to know a character. It's character exploration done really well, told through good stories that all build logically so that there is one cohesive story running throughout. And even though there's no antagonist, you still totally relate to everything he's going through, and you want to see him succeed and overcome any obstacles. So, it's a good movie. Please go see it. I can't wait for the DVD. So, that essentially is my review and my thoughts on I Am Big Bird. And now, the closing clips. I'll give you a song that I think is tops If you keep up this racket, I'm calling the cops Oh, oh, that's that's right. Right. oh, was there a second oh, verse to that song? Yes, sir. Oh, Oscar, don't allow no sing along singing here. Oscar, don't allow no sing along singing here. Now we don't care what Oscar, don't allow no do some sing along singing now. Oscar, don't allow no sing along singing here. Oh, yeah. Oscar, don't allow no banjo strumming here. Funny, 
who looks exactly the way that I look me. When I am reading, who's holding the book? Me. When I want dinner, who always will feed me? Who's always handy whenever I need me? Firm as a feather in all kinds of weather. Me, me, wonderful me. Who is at home when I sit in my nest? Me. Who wears no clothes but is beautifully dressed? Me. And if I wake up at night and I turn on the light and I look in the mirror, hey, gee, guess who I see there? Wonderful me. Once I was small, small as a seed. Now I am tall, now I can read. Born up a tree, now I am free. I'm an I, I'm a me. Who is a bird who is happy and proud? Me. Who is a bird who stands out in the crowd? Me. Makes me dance when the music is jivey. Who do I scratch when I have poison ivy? Who is the fellow that's fluffy and yellow? Me, me, wonderful me. Who says I'm right even when I am wrong? Me, who is the bird who is singing this song? Me. Word. I forgot. Oh, rats. Where did I put the lyrics? Oh, me. Wonderful me. Well, I think that's about all the time we have for this show. Go see I Am Big Bird. It's really good. I love it. I think you'll love it too. And until next time, waka waka, wubba wubba, weeba weeba, and scram. Why is this even in here? It's not a Muppet reference.